The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Today we continue in the book of Hebrews with a message we began yesterday entitled, Don't Be a Deserter. As we began to see in the first half of this message, sometimes people misinterpret the passage in Hebrews 6 and verses 4 through 6 as teaching that a child of God can fall from grace, that is, that they can lose their eternal salvation. However, not only does comparing Scripture to Scripture refute this interpretation, so does a plain reading of the text. Rather, this is a stern warning to the child of God that he should be faithful and not fall away because he might reach a place where it's impossible for the preacher or for any other man or the church to reach him. But thankfully, the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. Join us today as we conclude this message, Don't Be a Deserter. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Tears
See, that, that Calvinist reform view won't work. Neither will the Arminian view work. And here's why. Look at verses 4 and 5. It is impossible for, now look at the description of the people he's talking to or talking about. For those who were once enlightened. Paul tells us in one place we were sometimes darkness. If there's darkness, there's no light because light dispels the darkness. But these were enlightened. These have light and have tasted of the heavenly gift. They've tasted of it. They've, they've experienced it. And, we're, and now this is even clearer. They were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. I don't read anywhere in the scripture where a dead alien sinner has anything to do with the Holy Ghost. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. He, he, he said, for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. That, that Holy Ghost, the, the dead man spiritually has nothing to do with the Holy Ghost. You know, we hear it all so often say, well, it's, salvation is an offer and you have to make the decision to accept it. Here's the problem with that. In our natural state, we're dead in trespasses and in sins. In our natural state, it's foolishness unto us to even be sitting here tonight and listening to the gospel being preached. The natural man doesn't care about the things. You know, I hope the message I'm preaching is a message of the Spirit of God. It's a spiritual message. It's about the Spirit of God for sure. I trust and pray He's, he's uh, guiding me and, 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 and keeping me on track here in this message. But you see, the natural man doesn't care about that. It's foolishness unto him. But then it gets even worse for the natural man. Neither can he know them. He can't even know the things of the, spiritual, of, the Spirit of God. For they are spiritually discerned. Jesus told Nicodemus, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Beloved, there's a wide gulf there that no man can bridge. The gulf between flesh and spirit is a gulf that only God could bridge. The only way for one to partake, to be a partaker, of the Holy Ghost is to have been born of the Spirit of God, you see, and have tasted the good Word of God. You know, I'm reminded from this passage about the 13th chapter of Matthew and the parable of the sower and the seeds. You can divide, you, you, can, you can discern whether a preacher is on the right track when it comes to the purpose of the gospel and eternal versus time salvation by how they interpret that scripture. Now, I, I confess for many years, I didn't get it right. I didn't have the proper interpretation of it, I believe. But when we understand that all four categories of those hearers in the parable of the sower are children of God, they're just in different uh, situations in life, then we can understand that parable as, as it's applicable to the kingdom of God. You see, some, fell, some of the seed fell on the wayside, some of the seed fell on the stony ground, some of the seed fell in the thorny ground, and some of it fell on good ground. But in every case, when Jesus himself explains it, he talks about it being sown in their hearts. Now think about that. The seed is the word of God. It was sown in their hearts. You ever known of the seed of the word of God being sown in the heart of an unregenerate man, a dead alien heart? It's not, no way. No way. But you see, in this case here, 
It says these are some that have tasted the good word of God. They have, they have experienced the word. They've heard the word and they've responded in a way to it that it's good to them, you see. That's the same way it happened in the stony ground in particular. They got excited about it. But then uh, when persecution arose, they fell away. They didn't fall away and go to hell. They just fell away from the kingdom of God. And you know, there's a way I love the fact that there's a way. If you're on, I've been in every category in the parable of the sower. I have been every, there's been days when I've been in all four categories in one day. <laughs> you know, the, the wayside, those that are actively going against the Lord and their actions morally and otherwise. I'll tell you how you can test out how, whether you're in the wayside or the stony ground or the thorny ground or the good ground is go drive in rush hour Atlanta traffic. <laughs> if you can stay out of the wayside, <laughs> then you're a stronger Christian than I am because I have been there, let me just say. But here's the point. These that he's talking about here, this passage says too much for the Calvinist view. It says too much because, uh, as I said, the Calvinists will tell you that these never were children of God in the first place. But these are those that have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. <laughs> you see, that's the wrong interpretation. That's two of the wrong interpretations. So let's talk about the right interpretation for the time we have left. The right interpretation, the right understanding of this is that this is the fourth warning to the intended recipients of the Hebrews letter. And it's a warning against backsliding. Remember, we're talking, the writer here is writing to those Christians who had converted from Judaism and had been true converts and, 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 and staunch and steadfast in their, in, in their faith. And now they're being tempted to reject it and go back to the way they used to worship. You know, and by the way, think about it this way too. You can't, you can't backslide if you haven't already been in a place of fellowship with the Lord, can you? See, these have been in a place of fellowship with God, and Paul, who I believe wrote Hebrews, is warning them not to backslide. And the description here is of a born-again believer a born-again child of God who now is willfully turning his back on God. Look over in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26. Listen to this. Hebrews 10, 26. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. In other words, Paul here, he says we. He's putting himself in this category that he is possibly, he, he's potentially one that could do this. Every child of God has a potential for sliding back like this. He says, if we sin willfully, then don't be expecting some other sacrifice to come along to spare you from the consequences of that. Now, don't get me wrong. God often, in his mercy, spares, us, spares me from the consequences of my willful actions. But I don't expect it. And you can't either. He said it's just a certain fearful looking for for judgment of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. You know, do you know I have no assurance of my salvation? When I'm, in the, when I'm engaged in willful sin. 
Now, now understand what I just said. I have no assurance of it. It's still there. It's still there. But that's the times I question it. I've been many times where I've been in a place where I've been in willful disobedience, and I just feel like the Lord's clean gone forever. I have no hope. I have no help. I have no sense of assurance whatsoever. You know what the, you know what the remedy is? It's coming back to God. It doesn't mean I'm not going to heaven. It just means that I don't feel like I'm going to heaven. See? I need to feel that assurance. And I have no assurance when I'm doing this. There's just a certain feel fearful looking for. I feel like I'm going to be subject to the same judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. It's going to devour them. And it's in those days that I feel like I'm one of them. <laughs> he says, notice this, He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sorer punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite under the Spirit of grace. I mean, I just reading those words, I get fearful. I get, I get agitated and nervous because I think I could go there. I have the potential in my human nature to reject God and to, to go against his will. And think about how bad it was under the law. It's going to be millions of times worse for those who are the reprobate, for those who do not, who are not children of God. I don't want to feel like I'm not a child of God. But when I don't act like a child of God, I feel like I'm not a child of God. You see what I'm saying? You see, I believe this is what Paul's telling us here. He says, For we know him that has said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the, Lord, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But there's one statement there of comfort that I read. He says, The Lord shall judge his people. That's not eternal judgment. Our sins have been eternally judged in Christ. But that's daily judgment. That's daily, the daily walk that we have where the Lord chastens us or he rewards us and blesses us, sometimes forgives us when we don't deserve it and, and carries us providentially through this life, you see. Do you know that there's, there's a sin unto death? There's a sin unto death. First, first John chapter 5, and verse 16. Listen to this. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. Wait a minute, preacher. You're telling me there's a sin that I can commit that will send me to hell? That's not what we're talking about here. That's not what he's... You know, remember John's writing to children of God. I believe this is talking about... Could be, it could be talking about physical death. You know, Mo, did you know Moses sinned a sin unto the physical death? Moses struck the rock twice when he was not to strike it but to speak to it. And guess what it cost him? It cost him his life before he entered the promised land. But I believe in a more real way it's talking about a sin that causes your death to the kingdom of God on earth. I know men and women who have been excluded from the fellowship of the saints. Because they've committed a sin that is a sin that destroyed them to the church. It caused them to die to the church. And beloved, they're going to be in heaven one day. Lot is in heaven today. But the sin he committed 
And he clearly stayed in in that sin. And let me just say this. I don't want to get too far into that. But one of the primary characteristics of the sin unto death is an obstinate, uh, a willful disregard of God's word. Okay. And you see, that's a dangerous place to be. And this is a dangerous place for, for a child of God to be. A place where it's impossible to be... Uh, to be renewed again. Notice what he's saying. He said it's impossible. And impossible means that it's not possible for man to do it. Because you see, Jesus told his disciples in the 10th chapter of, of Mark that with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. In that particular instance, he was talking about eternal life. But beloved, it doesn't just apply to eternal life. God, all things are possible to God in this life. Listen to what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 24. We would do all do well to remember this. And the servant of the Lord must not strive. But be gentle unto all men. Now, let me just say this. If you're ever talking with someone about the, the doctrines of grace, maybe disagreeing over them and trying to show them some things, and it becomes a strife, you need to just stop and back out right there. The servant of the Lord must not strive. I've striven before. <laughs> I've striven so much that when I was a teenager, I was striving with, a, with someone who believed the Armenian view as opposed to our view. I, stri I strove so much that he finally hit me. <laughs> that was a true strife. Now, I hadn't had many like that throughout the rest of my life. I didn't hit him back. He was, he was older and bigger than me. and probably might have otherwise. But, but my point is, is when we strive, we're not doing the will of God. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. By the way, let me just say this. I have been blessed to be part of the conversion of quite a few children of God. When I say that that way, here's what I'm talking about. I've had nothing to do with a new birth. But those that have been born again that didn't understand the truth, I've been blessed. The Lord has blessed me to share with them the truth of God's word. But I have never converted anybody. Amen. You know, now understand what I mean by that. It's not that we don't make efforts and we don't, we, we don't work. God, God has given us a role as, as children of God who are hopefully not babes in Christ, but understand the truth, to help share with others what the truth is and, and in some way help them to see those things. But ultimately the conversion can only be claimed by God. You know, I wish Brother Buddy said this before. I wish I had a five or six step program, you know. You know, if you could write out, the, okay, first you do this, then you do that, then you do that, and you get down to, ver you, get down to you know, step 10, and it's done. <laughs> That'd be great. But, you know, I've had those situations where I knew exactly what was going to happen when I went to talk to this certain person, and it happened right opposite. <laughs> I've been in a situation where I thought, okay, I've, you know, I've tried to go dump the whole load on people before and run them off. It's like, you know, you're trying to feed a little deer up to the, get a little deer up to the, uh, to the feeding trough, you know, just, you know, instead we just dump the whole feed, whole load on them and it runs them off, okay? 
So then I've tried to be careful not to dump the whole load and just to go in and say, okay, I'm just going to drop a little bit here and a little bit there and all this. And I've had the situation where I went to someone's house and started talking to them. They wanted the whole load. <laughs> the Lord was ready, you know, they had them ready. And they, my point, I can't claim any credit for any, any conversion that I've ever seen happen under my ministry or that I've been a part of. See, if God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Think about the prodigal son. Think about who, who converted the prodigal son? <laughs> the prodigal son fits squarely in the center of this description in verses 4 and 5. This is one who was once enlightened. He lived in his father's home. He tasted of the heavenly gift. He, had under, he, had, he understood everything, all the good things. He had a part of all the good things in his father's house. He had tasted the, word of, he had tasted the powers of the world to come. That's, a, that's where he had been. He wasn't, this isn't a story about somebody going down to the pig pen and getting born again. This was a child of God who not only was a child of God, but was aware that he was a child of God in his father's house. And he decided he would rather go to the far country and waste and squander his father's inheritance. Give it to me, Lord. Give me what I've got coming to me. I want to go out and see the sights of this world. And where did he end up? Right down in a pig pen. Lusting after the husks that were being fed to those hogs. I've said this many times before, but child of God, a sheep can't live off pig food. And yet that's all he knew and that's all he was. So what happened to him? He came to himself. His father couldn't do anything with him. Can you imagine? It? You know, I, I know situations like that. You know, I'm a father. I'm a father. <laughs> I don't want to give away all my secrets because at least a couple of my children are here tonight, but... There have been times when I knew that I couldn't do anything to convince one or more of my children of something, and I might go over to my brother, or I might go to Brother Buddy or somebody else and say, hey, how about going down there and talking to them? Because they won't listen to me, but they might listen to you. Can you imagine the father going down there and say, son, what are you doing in the hog pen? Some, that just bow up against his father. You know, that happens sometimes. It was impossible for his father but it wasn't impossible for God. How do you think he came to himself? No man restored him. He was beyond the help of men, but ultimately he came to himself. How much involvement do you think the Holy Spirit had in that? <laughs> How much do you think the Holy Spirit was involved? You see, that's the point here. There, when, when we are in a place where we've been once enlightened, we've tasted the, of, the, of the goodness of God, and we willfully reject that, and we willfully go back to the old ways, we may end up in a place where it's impossible for the preacher or for another church member or for someone else to come down and do anything to help us, but it's not impossible for God. Amen. Praise God. It goes down in verse 7 here, Hebrews 6, For the earth which drinketh in the rain, that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. You're never closer to hell as a child of God than you are when you're down in the far country. 
And praise God, that's the closest to hell as a child of God you'll ever be. That's a wonderful thought, too, to remember that the goodness of God is toward every one of his children, and your eternal security is indeed secure. But you're nigh under, I don't want to be nigh under cursing. I don't want to be close to that. So, as we finish up tonight, look at verse 9 now. I like the way the Spirit of God inspired the writer to write. See, this kind of reminds me of, of the times in my life when I've had to sit down with my children and say, okay, guys, you understand that if you go here or you go there, you're going to get in trouble. You need to understand that, that the next step, if you start down this road, is a step into terrible danger. But I know you're not going to do that because I have confidence in you, okay? Look at what the writer says. After giving them all this warning about what they, where they could end up, he said, but beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though thus we speak. Here's what he's saying. Is he's saying, look, I know I've just told you, given you this great warning. I've told you about the things that you could get into, but I got greater confidence in you than that. You know, sometimes as preachers, we have to get up here and preach sermons that sound like they're getting on to you as a congregation. But I want you to know, even if I don't say it, I've got more confidence in you than that. Even when we have to step on your toes, so to speak. Even when, believe me, I promise you this, if I'm stepping on your toes, I'm stomping on my own. <laughs> but be that as it may, when you feel like your toes are being stepped on, just remember I got more confidence in you than that. That's what the writer said. He said, look, I'm persuaded of better things in you, of you than that. And he's going to go ahead and talk to us about that in the rest of this chapter. And I want to remind you this too. Ultimately, this warning is placed at the beginning of a chapter that ends with the most encouraging statement of the hope that we have. In verses 19 and 20, He's going to be talking about the hope that we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. So understand that these scriptures are not telling us we can lose our salvation or that we can be false professors who never had salvation. It's a warning to us to be steadfast. Don't desert in the spiritual battle. Don't be a deserter. We need all of God's warriors on the front lines. It's not an eternal battle, praise God, but it's a battle here and now against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we need to be diligent and we need to stay attentive so that we're not found to be deserters, but we are those who are steadfast and staunch in the army of God. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com that's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. 
For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.